As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains accounts of child sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. People don't realise what's going to happen to them. They don't have any choice. Like... I chose to take drugs, but I didn't choose to become an addict and spend almost 40 years of my life addicted and controlled. I never believed that the life I was living in, I never believed that I deserved that. I always knew that I was better than that, but I just couldn't get out. Once I got in and those handcuffs went on, those drug handcuffs, there was no way I could get out. We hear some extraordinary experiences on this podcast and often from our listeners. And this week's guest is Robin Lewis, who is one of those listeners. Her email hit our inbox and what she shared made us want to know more. 
Robin spent decades coping with the aftermath of a frankly brutal childhood. And not surprisingly, her adult life hasn't been great. But things change, and in Robin's case, dramatically. And she's using those decades of chaos to give people who are in a similar situation some hope. I won't say any more, so let's hear it from Robin. And a note before listening. Our guests share their experience. Each person has their own way they deal with life. So if there's something you hear that prompts questions for you, whether it's about mental health, medication, ways of dealing with certain situations, make sure you speak to someone you trust, like your doctor, counsellor, specialist. You get the drift. We'll have details of services in the show notes for this episode if you've been affected by anything discussed. And a good first port of call is Lifeline on 13 11 14. Now, let's hear from Robin Lewis. As a child, I lived with my father and my mother and I was one of 11 children. My father was just a very violent, alcoholic father. All the money that my father earned all went on alcohol and gambling and as young children, we used to have to go to the local um, tip, local dump and scavenge for food and clothing and shoes and toys and, yeah, it was absolutely horrendous. Terrible to think, right, but when the police were called when we were children and my mother was getting bashed within an inch of her life, that the police would come and take my father back to the very place that started everything. Because my father, when he was sober, his name was Friendly Fred because he was the nicest person. But when he drank, he turned into a monster. And he was a big man, like he was about six foot two, six foot three, and he was huge. And my poor mum, she was like five one. And you know, and we were little children and this great big man, like, you know, with so much rage and anger. But like I said, when he was sober, he was the nicest person. Like everyone loved him. Everyone came to him for if they needed something, he'd be the first one there to help them. Um, but when he drank, he was just, he just changed. We would be told that we had to go and babysit for my father's friends. Then they would come home from the pub drunk and one woman, she knew what was going on. The husband came home um, this night and I just stood up to him and I said no because, like, he would just come and, like, take advantage of me and this night I just said no and, you know, I started, like, getting loud and he said to his wife, he said, get this C-U-N-T out of here, you know, like it was my fault because I resisted him. So she took me and she hid me in another bedroom until like five o'clock in the morning and like five o'clock in the morning in the dark, she drove me home so my family, you know, would be none the wiser and, you know, and I'd be gone before her husband woke up and there'd be trouble in her house because she was a domestic violence victim. And How old were you, do you remember, roughly, at that time? I would have been around 14, 13, 14. It happened like over quite a a few years we lived in fear all our childhood like we lived in in absolute fear where we lived there was a dirt road that come down from the pub and there was bitumen to a certain point and then we knew when our father was coming because when it come off the bitumen it had hit the dirt 
and it made a noise like it was probably like 500 metres up the road, but we could hear when it hit that gravel and we knew it was him and we would run. We would run out of the house, all of us kids, in the middle of the night. If it was wintertime, it would be absolutely freezing and we would have to run into the fields and to the neighbours' crops and we would have to hide in the crops and he would yell out and he would be yelling our names and he would just, he'd be going, Robin, come home. And I knew that if I didn't go home that I was going to get bashed. So if I went home, I was going to get bashed. If I didn't get home, I was going to get bashed anyway. So, But just all us children sitting in that field in the night, in the cold winter night with the moisture from the crop and we'd be sitting there freezing our little toes off and we knew that if we went home, we would get a flock and, and um, yeah, it was just absolutely horrendous. It was. We just lived in fear, constant fear. Do you say publicly that you had six concurrent addictions that controlled your life for 37 years? What were they? What were those addictions? I was addicted to marijuana, cigarettes, alcohol, gambling, antidepressants and ice. Were you like in a relationship, a family? Like, what? How was your life running? Like, I mean, I know you weren't doing a nine to five, but, or maybe you were doing a nine, 9 to five. Nine p.m. to five a.m. Yeah, I think it. probably most likely. Uh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't hold down a job. I could get a job, but I couldn't hold it. I couldn't maintain it because you know, after a little while, people would start to see that things weren't right, and you know, I had this thing with you know the the ice mites. I'd turn up for an interview and I'd look, you know, quite respectable and then, you know, maybe a week later I wouldn't be able to come to work or I'd turn up to work with sores on me and stuff like that because of the picking and people had seen it. You couldn't hide it for very long. So I couldn't stay in employment very, very often. People think, oh, when they start out, they think like, drugs and oh yeah it feels good it does when you first start out it feels great but people don't see people don't realize what's going to happen to them they don't have any choice like I chose to take drugs but I didn't choose to become an addict and spend almost 40 years of my life addicted and controlled I never believed that the life I was living in I never believed that I deserved that I always knew that I was better than that but I just couldn't get out once I got in and those handcuffs went on, those drug handcuffs. There was no way I could get out. Like, honestly, the shit that I had to, to go through and the things that happened to me, like, honestly, I, um, I had a partner that got murdered. I had another friend that doused himself in fuel and inside of the back of his van and set himself on fire and killed himself. Oh, my God. That's an incredibly violent way to take your own life. It was horrendous. Like, you have no idea. Like, I'm so scarred by it. Yeah. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So when you decided to recover from all of the, the six addictions, did you try to recover from all of them at once or did you try and go one by one or what was the plan? How did you end up doing it? One night I came home and I was really drunk and I was really high and I turned my stereo up really, really loud. I lived in a caravan park. I owned a house in a caravan park. Obviously I had like heaps of neighbours around me and then the next morning I got up and they'd made, the neighbours had got together and they'd made a sign and they put it in my garden and it said, the village idiot. And, oh, my God, I looked at that sign and I just broke down and, you know, I dropped to my knees and I went, oh, my God, like, what are you doing? And that little sign, that was it for me. I just threw everything in the bin and I've never looked back. Wow. Have any of the perpetrators of this sexual violence against you, are they like, has anyone ever been held to account? I've finally just gone through the victims of crime and um, it by no means can ever erase what's happened or, or I could ever forgive what's happened to me, but I got a nice little payout and it's recognition that you were, that it did happen, you know. I was thinking, Robin, like, so you, you decided you had enough and you, you stopped everything, but presumably that would have brought up a lot of stuff. Like how yes. did you get support? Because recovery is pretty hectic. You can have slips and slides. I imagine a lot of stuff was coming up for you. Yeah. And what do you do when you're not medicating? How have you not gone mad? Yeah. Or you know, like, like I'm yeah. assuming, yeah, after you've <laughs> let go of all yeah. of that. Who says oh. I'm not? <laughs> What has saved me is exercise. Yes. Like I became an exercise freak and still religiously, like pretty much like six days a week, that is my drug now. Basically that's what saved my life was being able to get out and exercise and, you know, have those good endorphins coming through. And, you know, I'm 58 now and people say to me like, you don't look like you've done what 
what you've been through. Like you don't look like it. Like I've got all my teeth, my skin's good, like I'm fit and healthy and and I attribute that to a really healthy diet and exercise. When How long have you been doing this? When did you think, okay, I can do this, I can go and talk to strangers and tell them what happened? I started a smart recovery group myself. I used to tell my clients, if that's what you want to call them, I would tell them my story. And one day one lady said to me, Honestly, your story, it's really inspiring. You should talk about it. You should tell people, um, you know, because I think people would really, like, resonate with you, especially, like, the ice was really bad. This was, like, pre-COVID. So I sort of came into it in a time, at a time where everyone wanted to know, like, what can we do? Like, our, the world's out of control with the ice. And it just snowballed. And, like, honestly, for three years, like, I was, like, full on. I pretty much went on the road. Like I just travelled around regional New South Wales, like all over the place, like giving um, free talks. I did it all out of my own bank account and my own time and just to know that I could give someone some advice and help them, it was just really empowering, you know, and I just thought, you know, this this was meant to be. After being a taker for all those years, I felt like I was giving something back. Thanks to our guest, Robin Lewis. Head to our show notes for more info and support services. Also, we love to hear from you, so comment, email, message us. We do read them all. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. 